Hello to the Gestalten Podcast presented by Concept House Design, your number one headhunting and consultancy services when it comes to finding the best talent within a car and transportation slash mobility design. And my name is Martin Groschwald. And in this week's episode, I am very happy to welcome Sonny Lim, head of design for the motorsport department specializing on footwear at Puma and Sonny and I have talked a little bit about his background which comes from a car industry moved into fashion so there was always an affinity for mobility design and getting from A to B with him but also how his current kind of position at Puma overlaps with mobility design he tells us a bit more about his past experience and where product design helps potentially the car industry in the future so enjoy the show enjoy the conversation with Sonny and here we go So for today's episode of the Gestalten Podcast, I have a very special guest, somebody that I uh, was always interested to get onto the podcast because it's not necessarily about cars, it's not only about uh, product design, it's about pretty much how design is connected to all different kind of things. And so I thought, you know, who who would be a very interesting kind of background for that? And um, so I was thinking about a, a lovely guy working for you know, a little company based here in Germany called Puma, who happens to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, fashion and shoe manufacturers in the world. And uh, please, all of you listeners, uh, welcome with me together, the head of design for the uh, motorsports division at Puma, Sonny Lim. Sonny, hello and welcome to the, to the podcast. Thank you, Mark. I'm very happy to be here. Lovely. Yeah, I do very much appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing some of the stories with you. But before we start going into a little bit more detail, uh, how about you introduce yourself to the audience, to the listeners, uh, with a very, very short background of what you have done in the past and what you're currently doing at Puma? Uh, so actually, what I uh, did in the past, I studied industrial design in, uh, in Delft, in the, in the Netherlands. And that's probably the most surprising thing about me. Um, that uh, that my heritage is uh, is Dutch. So I, I'm from the Netherlands. Um, I, I grew up there. I was born there, and I also studied there. And of course, that's also pretty uh, pretty interesting because it's uh, Netherlands, as you know, is a very amazing country for designers and architects. It's a very uh, big design community, um, very uh, very talented as well. Uh, my parents originally came from Singapore and Malaysia, and uh, that's kind of uh, the, the my my kind of cultural heritage. So after I graduated from uh, TU Delft in uh, 2001, I started basically working for Adidas in uh, in Germany as well, designing football boots. Um, and then after a while, uh, after around six years uh, in the shoe business, I basically got a chance to move to Singapore uh, and uh, become senior designer for BMW Design Works. So I uh, really worked there uh, with 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 uh, with uh, a lot of ple pleasure for around three years. Uh, and then I moved to um, a Dutch company called Philips, also in Singapore. And my last company before I moved back to Germany was at Dell and basically designing computer peripherals. So computer keyboards, mice, all these kind of uh, things that you need um, uh, around the ecosystem of computing. So uh, now I'm at uh, Puma. Uh, as you said, uh, I'm a head of design leading a, a team of uh, uh, talented designers um, in the motorsport business. Very cool. So you've 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 come through a lot of things there. <laughs> Just to kind of break this down a little bit, and then uh, that that was one of the reasons I find this so interesting. So you've done 
uh, shoes uh, and fashion. You've done uh, very traditional kind of product design when it comes to Dell and Philips, and you've also worked within an automotive background. So let me let me ask you this: how how does this career that you've had um, affect you every single day, decision making or the way you approach design? Because they are all so fundamentally different. Um, it affects in a sense that um, I can take. I, I believe I, uh, I look at decisions and also design uh, decisions much more in a in a holistic way. Uh, and also, I can uh, delve into the experiences I had in the past, looking at all these kind of different uh, ways of of of, uh, of of finding solutions. So, in a sense, it uh, it affects uh, not only in decision making but also definitely in in terms of uh, the creative process, right? Um, Looking at how uh, how different people in the different industries do things, uh, and having ex actually experience working with them, and 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 uh, actually hands on also designing in in different fields, it really uh, allows you to be much more flexible and also picking up new challenges a lot quicker in that sense. Yeah, it's it's something that I personally find extremely interesting because you know when we had a little bit of the pre-chat um, before we started the, recording the podcast, we talked about you know mobility where mobility is going, and I said what I found interesting, and that's why I wanted to really like, get you on the show as well. It's not just about oh you know you're looking you're working for Puma and you have all this kind of experience, but I think. There's so much more nowadays when we talk about mobility and the future and getting from A to B. It's not just about planes. It's not just about cars. It's not just about scooters. But if we actually take this back to the big fundamental of getting from A to B, it's about walking. Yeah. So we're talking about shoes. We're talking about fashion, about this as, uh, as well. So with all this background that you've had in your career, Now, when we talk about the future of mobility, are you guys at Puma, you know, looking into what, let's, for example, the car design industry is doing, where this idea of, um, you know, automation goes towards to autonomous driving in that sense, when we talk about electrification, how, how does this affect the thinking process of a company such as Puma, of course, and, you know, uh, as much detail as you're allowed to talk about? Um, and and where do you think that maybe even a company such as such as Puma or like the fashion industry as a as a whole can even be positively influencing what these kind of car manufacturer car manufacturers are doing in this current world? I'm not so sure if we can influence what the car industry is, is doing, but definitely it's uh, Puma as a company definitely plays a role in terms of what we call urban mobility. Uh, it's basically the kind of the, the 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 stage when you either transition from a car to a bicycle or you know from a train to a bus, or uh, these kind of stages where um, where you uh, where you Uh, kind of uh, go out on the street and, and uh, walk or, or take a bicycle or anywhere where you are kind of exposed to the external um, conditions, the weather conditions and all these kind of things. So these kind of things, definitely, that's something we uh, we we look at, especially in motorsport, uh, because in motorsport, traditionally, it's uh, it was all about, you know, these traditional uh, pro driving shoes, right? The fireproof Nomex uh, shoes that the, our Formula One drivers are wearing. And also the DTM teams for, for example, BMW and, and, uh, and other things. However, we also work with partners like, like Porsche design. And, um, and again, this whole scala of, uh, of, uh, partnerships and, and collaborations that, uh, allows us also to kind of, uh, put in a different kind of perspective. 
uh, for for urban mobility. Um, like I said, the kind of uh, transition between the different modes of mobility, right? Um, that that's a very uh, big topic for us. Uh, what kind of uh, shoes do you need? What kind of uh, you know headwear? What kind of accessories? What kind of uh, apparel, clothes? Uh, do we need for for all these kind of things? Uh, and what we try to do is, uh, of course, work internally very closely together with uh, with accessories and apparel uh, and uh, and the shoes together. So you kind of create a whole outfit, a whole look for that kind of uh, uh, yeah mobility uh, needs. How, how would you how would you for that kind of sense like describe the big changes at the moment or like you know what is the big difference because we've if you look onto the streets and i think you know fashion and like shoe is um you know shoe fashion is has become almost like a commodity but at the same time is uh you know a, a fashion statement you can call it fashion victims and all these kind of things you know the sneaker game is very strong <laughs> with a lot of people especially with the young kids so how do you combine the, the the fashion aspects of the pure aesthetics in terms of what you want to do with the functionality behind it? Because I can imagine there is a certain kind of gap of maybe what you can do because it needs to be extra light or it needs to be very durable. And let's say it needs to be water resistant from maybe the stuff that you can do that is becoming high fashion or, you know, col collaborations with luxury fashion brands or something like that. I mean, yeah. this is, this sounds very interesting. Yeah, I mean the thing with uh, with sneakers is it's really on the intersection between um, kind of the functional el uh, functional elements that you need, the functional needs, but also the uh, kind of the fashion uh, uh, aspect of it. And that fashion aspect is uh, is in, especially in motorsport is much more related to car culture. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, the whole reason why why people buy, uh, let's say, a Porsche shoe or a, a Ferrari shoe, uh, it has to do with uh, being wanting to uh, align themselves or kind of buy into the uh, the car brands themselves. So it has to do with car culture. And actually, what you look when you look at car culture, it has been undergoing a major shift. You hear, uh, you know, statistics where young people don't. Uh, Uh, ambition having owning a car anymore and mm -hmm. also if you think about it the way uh, kids nowadays uh, connect the first touch point that they have with car culture is probably through video games you know uh, things like Gran Turismo Need for Speed all these kind of uh, video games that's probably their first experience in terms of uh, actually you know almost like driving a car so their whole way of looking at cars and car culture it has changed fundamentally from where we were like the you know 20, 30 years ago to now. And uh, of course, that also impacts the way we design our products, the way we market our products. Uh, and uh, that, yeah, that's something we, uh, we, we look at it uh, very closely in, in a sense of how do the kids nowadays perceive things like Formula One and car racing and, and all these kind of uh, aspects that relate to motorsport. Interesting. I, I, I am, I'm a very big fan <laughs> of both driving a real car as well as driving a, a, a virtual car. Um, I have to say, and you mentioned just Gran Turismo. Obviously, Gran Turismo has this uh, world series nowadays where the, the drivers or like the, you know, the virtual drivers sit together in this one place and you can see them being sponsored. Like, you know, they're having proper gloves. They're having proper shoes. Yeah. Are you designing shoes specifically for the, the, The virtual racing world as well, or are you trying to make a connection between this virtual world and a um, and 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 the real world? So let's say you know the 
these kind of Gran Turismo drivers are using technically the same equipment as the Ferrari drivers in in Formula One are using, or what what is what is what is the idea behind that? Because you know, it seems if I would ask my my parents, for example, they would be just like, "Yeah, I understand why you drive this, but why would you make this you know like such a big event out of it if you can drive a real car?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we we do a special gear for for gamers nowadays. Uh, so Puma just uh, launched uh, last year, um, kind of a, a gaming, a very minimalistic gaming shoe, uh, which is very has a very thin outsole. Uh, the the upper is very lightweight and and breathable. Um, and that basically came out of the insight that pro gamers, um, when they game, uh, you know, actually the PC gamers, they don't, uh, they often tend to take off their sneakers. And, and that, that's kind of a thing that we see as well. Even even that uh, that is happening in the uh, in the pro uh, gaming racing uh, scene as well. That people don't require their traditional shoes and traditional footwear anymore and traditional gear as well. Um, obviously, the needs are very different. Uh, you know, things like fireproof doesn't have a lot of uh, relevance in the, in the gaming scene. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, we we also look at that. And um, a good thing is that you know things like the uh, like the very minimal gaming shoe that we have is also suitable for uh, for uh, driving uh, driving a, a racing simulator. And uh, that's uh, that's something again. Uh, that's uh, definitely on our radar, and that's something also that we're going to proceed in the, in the next few years uh, of how to how to kind of cater for that uh, that scene even better than than we currently do already. So, so does this officially count as part of the motorsport team, or is that part of a different kind of uh, design team that you run internally? Because I can see that if you include something like that, I mean, you know, motorsports or let's say the idea of uh a racing or sports in general can can change quite a lot i mean you know you, you, we saw this uh, a few years ago where football boots without the cleats pretty much became an every single day accessory so people were just wearing football boots day to day do you think that you know these kind of boots could also become in this kind of generation so with these kind of with these kind of people wearing them every single day and uh, outside on the streets as well absolutely i mean that's uh, that's kind of the whole uh, way with uh, with sneakers um in this project uh, we really work closely with our innovation colleagues uh, and, uh, and you know they they are the, usually the, the at the spearhead of of these kind of new um new ventures uh, and then after after a while basically our the business units take over and uh, and uh, you know, run with innovations and run run with the uh, with kind of the development that uh, that happened before. Um, but uh, but you're absolutely right that uh, you know what uh, what what used to be designed as high performance shoes uh, ha tend to really have a relevance on the street as well. Uh, we've seen that many many times. Of course, the very famous examples of uh, basketball shoes that uh, you know that became streetwear. Even motorsport had happened. Uh, you might remember uh, one of our uh, our um, professional racing shoes uh, from 15, 20 years ago called the Speed Cat. Uh, that became a huge hit, uh, you know, uh, because it was actually one of the first sneakers that you could wear going out and actually enter a club with. Um, and that's uh, all these kind of stories of you know how high performance gear became cool to wear on the street. That's uh, that's yeah, the sneaker world is kind of littered with with examples of of those. Yeah, I want to go into this high performance bit a little bit later on, but I have one one question and something very interesting that you have said, which is the the innovation team um, that you have just mentioned. So, how can the normal person listening to this 
uh, imagine that? Is it is it that they are pretty much like your research team that you know works for Puma and they look at almost everything, every everything that happens in everyday culture from you know sports to uh, you know what happens in businesses, what happens in uh, you know in in youth culture, what happens in uh, you know let's say these. 20 ish year old cultures and then they come up with new ideas they come up with new materials or is it is it something that is very fruitful from both sides so that you say hey we've seen this and like you know can we not just do something like that how can you imagine this be, uh, you know imagine this if you if you're not inside because this sounds so interesting and it's almost like in the car industry you would say you might have an advanced team and you have a production team but I, it doesn't sound that simple to compare <laughs> Actually, it, it's it's very similar to that. Uh, basically, what uh, what what innovation team does, uh, as any advanced uh, design team, they look further ahead. So they do the long term, uh, kind of the long term developments and research needed for uh, you know for getting a competitive advantage in in, in a few years time. Um, however, the the in house design teams are much more closer to the product in the sense that uh, you know we design the products that uh, come out in market in in around eighteen months time, and uh, we do that every half year. Basically, we have a spring summer season and uh, a f an autumn winter season, uh, following kind of the fashion season. So every half a year, we kind of design a new collection, design new products, uh, and that's uh, that's of course something that cycle. Uh, is something that innovation team uh, is less uh, tied to. Uh, they can uh, do innovations uh, that require, uh, you know, long-term investments, a lot, a lot more research and um, and developments, uh, talking to all the suppliers and uh, and also looking at the needs for of the of the consumers. And so, in that sense, uh, it it works. I think it works quite similar to what advanced teams are doing in uh, uh, in uh, in car design. Mm. Just in a very, you know, quick amount of time, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the life cycles, of course, and uh, are much shorter in in, uh, in shoe design, uh, and it's uh, it's called the fast-moving consumer goods uh, industry, uh, not for nothing, right? So. Yeah. And how is that for you personally? Would you would you would you say compared to the stuff that you've done in the past? Um, you find this very enjoyable? Do you say sometimes you would wish to have a bit more time to develop something? Um, because especially maybe, you know, in, in terms of the high performance side that you were in with motorsports, um, it's it, it sounds to me from what I know, maybe a little bit more like a football schedule. So you do something two years in advance or a year in advance rather than just a few months in advance. But Without without saying anything like you know it's 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 just negative or it's just positive, but you know how how is the personal feeling for you? Would you sometimes wish you had more time to develop something and it's just go with the flow, or would you say like this, you know, these kind of six months periods is also what keep the people fresh uh, in in return? Yeah, I mean it has uh, as it has this, uh, it has both positive and negative sides. I mean the the most uh, positive side obviously is that you. Get to uh, get to do a lot of iterations, a lot of uh, tries and, and and design things. So um, having on such a, being on such a short schedule allows you to kind of also as a designer develop very quickly and, and learn a lot of new things in a, in a very short amount of time. Um, and that's that's very positive, especially if you're a young designer just starting out of out of uni university. Uh, I think that's a very valuable thing because you can have a product out on the market in uh, you know in in one and a half years already. In the future, and that uh, that's of course a very valuable experience. So you get to um, go through that entire 
development cycle uh, in, in, in a very short amount of time. Of course, it would always be nice to do more research and, you know, spend longer on, the, on a particular project. But there's also value in, um, yeah, in doing, uh, you know, many different projects in, in a short amount of time and, and really, really learning, uh, really learning on the, on the job itself. How, how are you, if we go into a little bit more detail on like, you know, the learning of the job and like how to do things, how much is the designer actually involved in the creation of the, of the product? Are you, let's say, just delivering an aesthetic kind of direction? Because obviously I can imagine that the materials are one of the most challenging, but also most Uh, rewarding directions that you can go into because there's a so many developments at the moment i've recently seen like a dress which was made out of parametric uh so it looked like a parametric model pretty much um and it and it kind of you know fitted all different kind of shapes um you know of uh, in that case it was of women of course which was very interesting to see that when you see that so the role is not just about de developing a product but also making sure that the materials are working It sounds to me that you also have to have an understanding of the budgeting behind it and like, you know, the, the, the manufacturing process behind it. Is, is this the normal job of a, of a, of a fashion designer? Or would you have to say, like, if you go into these kind of direction, maybe compared to the car industry, you need to be much more hands on and much more knowledgeable about the product itself so that the actual creative process is maybe just a smaller part and maybe smaller than what people think. Absolutely, uh, I, I, definitely the last one. I mean, it's uh, as a designer, uh, I would I, I would qualify ourselves, especially the footwear designers, as fashion designers. Uh, most of the people here have a, a background in product design or in uh, in transportation design, even. Uh, and uh, doing shoes, um, like I said, it's a, it's a cross section that uh, that you need to do. It's an intersection between fashion and and functional wear. So. The designers are really involved into the creative, uh, into the creation of the product. Um, really designing, uh, not only the style of the, of the shoe, but also creating the tech packs necessary. So basically the technical drawings, um, uh, that, with which the 3D model is going to, you know, make the, make the tooling, uh, make the outsole and the midsoles and, and things like that. Also, what's, uh, what's then uh, very important is, uh, is, of course, material choice. Material choice is uh, not only um, related to functional needs and performance needs, of course, but also the way, uh, the way our product looks like. Uh, for that, we have uh, many suppliers that, that we work with. Uh, most of the, of the times we kind of pick a material from catalogs, but um, sometimes uh, if, uh, if, if it's really necessary, then we also develop new materials ourselves. And again, we work with supplies on, the, on that one. Uh, so it, it, it all depends if we need a very specific material, for example, a very lightweight leather or very strong leather or things like that, then we will work with, uh, with our leather suppliers to, you know, to create the material in a sense. Yeah. So, so taking that a little bit further, and you've mentioned obviously high performance um, just a few minutes ago. You are working in a very special kind of environment. You mentioned already like Formula One. You mentioned the DTM when it comes to, to race driving. These materials need to be fireproof. They need to be able to protect the race driver and the, the, the user um, of, 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 of these, you know, shoes, um, overalls, whatever they are wearing. How does this affect, you know, Puma as a whole. I mean, are you a little bit of a special niche within the company? Are you, you know, bringing 
new materials into the everyday life of the company because of these high performance requests that might not be able to go into like you know general culture fashion uh, because i can i can just imagine it's almost like uh, you know looking back into bmw and have the i3 and the i8 coming out and you just like well, these guys are some completely different just because of the background that they're doing or, you know, mo motorsports teams that have then developed into, um, you know, into, into everyday cars like McLaren, for example. It, this, 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 this just sounds so interesting, but it also must put quite a bit of pressure, obviously, on the everyday designer just to say, like, we, we have a responsibility of working with materials in particular that have not just maybe an impact on, what our other guys are doing that are more in the normal shoes in the normal fashion industry, but could also have a big influence on other industries, such as maybe the car industry, but also, you know, uh, let's say the, um, the, the, the everyday furniture industry. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, uh, because we, uh, we are working in, in a shorter uh, timelines than, for example, the car industry, right? Uh, we also, what we say usually is that we are also closer to what, what's happening in society. So basically trends that are out there, you know, things that, uh, that, that we see are happening already. We can relatively quickly respond to that. Um, you know, one big topic, of course, that, uh, that happened in the last five years, of course, was sustainability. Uh, fortunately, Puma already had a very kind of large um, heritage in, in sustainability. We did quite a lot of things, even including the first biodegradable shoe like 10 years ago. So all these kind of things uh, that, that we see happening in society, we kind of bring that to the table when we talk to, uh, to our partners as well. Um, a very good example is, uh, you know, we, we brought to the table the whole sustainability topic at, when we were uh, collaborating with the latest range for, for Porsche design. And of course, it also aligns with their uh, ambitions. Of course, they were at that time when we brought it to the table, they were working on the take on already. So all these kind of things then align very nicely and we can kind of... Um, kind of build uh, build a collection that's kind of very in line with with uh, you know with the direction of the car companies and how does that work i mean like is, is it just like they come up to you or you go up to them and just like hey i think we have something in common or is that coming more naturally or is that coming because you know you know somebody at porsche design because that's from my personal experience i understand that obviously there are certain kind of collaborations happening but let's say design departments are not often sharing uh, maybe as much as they should to push for the future. I totally agree. I mean, um, what, what we t try to do is uh, with all our partnerships is to have a dialogue. Uh, it's a, to have a true partnership and, uh, and a true collaboration. So that means really talking to each other and, uh, and yeah, bringing ideas to the table, uh, you know, at the start of a, of a new collection. Um, Sometimes uh, it, it's uh, it's really about yeah building that kind of um, creative relationship with them. Sometimes it's uh, it's easier than others uh, because so some partners obviously don't have a kind of a creative team on the other side. Um, some partners new do, and that that's uh, that tends to be a big help when uh, when people have a kind of a designer on the other side talking to us uh, on the same level. Because then, you know, from their side, they can push creatively. From our side, we can push creatively. And then it, uh, it kind of comes together more naturally than, for example, talking to a, to a business guy or talking to a marketing guy on the other <laughs> side. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. And I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, from 
what I find interesting about fashion shoes, um, and I had a conversation just very recently with uh, Lutz Fügener from the University of Pforzheim, who's the uh, the chair for the the bachelor's program for transportation design, and um, not in this recording, but like you know, in conversations we had before, is that you know he said that. Companies such as Puma, you know, other fashion shoe industries are very interested in, in in transportation designers because the general idea of a car and a shoe is not that far away from each other, uh, from a from a just from a from a stylistic point of view. Uh, and you've mentioned earlier as well that you have you know product designers, you have transportation designers. What do you learn from from these kind of guys coming every single day into into your studio and working with them? But also what what do you think or what what do you see a chance for other industries and you know we can throw out the car industry but you know we can use anything pretty much that comes to your mind where they can maybe understand you know hey maybe maybe those kind of guys with with these short term cycles can also learn something from us and in terms of yeah, i don't know being efficient for example hmm. i think um well it- I think for any designer coming from design school, right? What you learn in design school or design university, um, it's really about the the process. Uh, you know, the kind of the idea of creating three concepts and not not being happy with the first sketch and all these kind of things. The kind of the creative process is, is in general quite similar uh, in both uh, transportation design and in uh, in product design. You make t- you know you make a mountain of sketches uh, and you pick a few to uh, to continue with that and. And so that that kind of creative uh, process is is, is very uh, similar in in both uh, both industries. Also, in terms of the skills that's needed, kind of the visualization skills, the drawing, the you know the making of renderings, all these kind of things, uh, being able to judge a particular line, you know, if uh, if, uh, if it's uh, you know proportions. Um, again, these kind of skills that uh, there's there's a lot of overlap there. However, where, where it's kind of really different in terms of for car design and uh, and for product design in, in general is that in car design, of course, you work on a, on a very different scale, and also you work with different kind of tools in terms of um, your um, your visual tools are are different in the sense that you know you rely a lot on on sculpting and all these kind of things that uh, that are perhaps less appropriate in uh, when it comes to uh, designing uh, designing a shoe. Because in a shoe, you have both, uh, you know, kind of the harder elements, kind of the sole and, and, and kind of things. These things you can uh, sculpt and, 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 uh, and, and use kind of the, the car design skills there. But also there's a, there's a whole part of it that's, uh, that's also needs to be flexible and soft and, uh, and, and uh, close to your foot. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of the area where uh, where uh, usually car designers need to make that transition from uh, from you know traditional car design from kind of the sculpting and uh, and uh, nice lines and and, and and speed and and all these kind of things to kind of a more product design where you think about okay what does a shoe actually need to do where does it need protection uh, what uh, you know what kind of lacing system do you need uh, what kind of materials are you using uh, and that's uh, that's sometimes uh, you know most a lot of transportation designs manage to make that transition but you have some as well that uh, that kind of remains kind of stuck in the in the car design ways uh, and th- that's something you see as well from uh, yeah from from uh, from some designs here in the team. Yeah. But would you would you say, and, and I'm, I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here because you went to Delft and Delft is a very high level school when it comes to industrial design. And, you know, there's a lot of people also in the car industry who come from that background, uh, from that school. Would you say 
the general training of an industrial designer, car designer, product designer um, is so fundamentally different that you will, when they start a job, you will still have to train them on what they're supposed to do? Or would you say from a thinking process, uh, maybe the industrial designers or the product designers have an easier way into something such as shoe design, uh, but we have to train them or like, you know, we have to have an understanding that maybe their sketches are not as, uh, you know, great or not as uh, flamboyant as maybe the one from a car designer because i had i have always this feeling that car design is oftentimes still about the sketch so it's more about it's not necessarily about innovation it's more about you know development of something that is already there where i have the feeling when you look into product design and in particular shoes even though the shoe is a certainly limited product but if the amount of shoes that you have nowadays um, th th there's certainly innovation material there. Does, do, do you think that students coming from a product background just get that a little bit better than maybe the car design guys? Or is that really just dependent on the people and their mindset on on working on these things? I would say it, it really depends on people. But you are right that, uh, you know, people uh, or students that come from uh, straight from design school often lead on uh, on-the-job training to uh, to really get into the particular field uh, of, uh, of either car design or sneaker design or all these kind of things, or the uh, different industries. Um, I think what's also important, that's why I always find, uh, find it very important to see what, uh, what kind of internships uh, a student uh, or a graduate uh, has, has done in the past, because at those internships, you probably learn so much uh, and uh, you kind of, kind of able to apply all the skills that you learn in school in a, in a more practical way. And I think uh, probably in that sense, I think internships might be even more important than uh, which design school you went to. Because that's, uh, you know, at the on the job training, I think that's, that's such a uh, invaluable um, uh, resource to have that, uh, that uh, you know, I definitely heart, wholeheartedly recommend every design student to do at least one internship. And if you can, two or even more. Yeah. And for you personally, I mean, you're, you, the interns that you have, or the people that you hire, and I'm not just saying like it's, it needs to be graduates, but people with experience, are you personally looking into just something that where they have a vast experience like yourself or sometimes, you know, you say maybe we just need a specialist in that because that is what's changing at the moment. And this comes to the next topic that I, I want to discuss with you about, but um it seems to me that nowadays it's becoming very difficult to just say, oh, this is a shoe designer or this is a car designer, especially when we look into car interiors. But there's much more that is now coming into play that is being requested from designers, not just in terms of their creativity, but also in terms of their knowledge, in terms of their understanding of how you know, things are now interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, I think what we are looking for, what I'm looking for in, uh, in, in new designers is um, something what I call a T-shaped designer. You might have heard that, uh, that term before. It's, uh, it was coined by IDEO and basically means that uh, you are uh, kind of broad in your interests or you have, you, are, you have a broad base in terms of uh, things that you can, uh, you can contribute to, to a creative team. But on the same hand, you all can also go deep in, in a few particular skills that you have. So you are really good in, uh, in something like, for example, sketching or, uh, you know, the, the kind of the hard design skills that are necessary for this job as well. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, the ideal designer. So, um, uh, you know, somebody who can, uh, who can, 
participate in, in various different projects and different challenges and is curious enough to uh, to learn new things but also has a kind of a a, a kind of a, a deeper understanding for for certain skills and really has a training as well to do those uh, a few things particularly well that's interesting and uh, that's that's a good kind of direction i of something that that i'm very personally interested in but i think it, that we can share also with the listeners out there um how does this entire idea of digitalization you know uh, always on this always connected kind of lifestyle that we have at the moment you know ranging from things such as uh you know siri uh, amazon alexa going all the way into like you know planes nowadays and cars and everything like that how does this affect you because obviously i can i can probably imagine on high performance especially when it comes to to formula one uh you know thinking about okay the Uh, you know the, the 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 airflow that is going through the stuff that these guys are wearing, so that they have a body temperature measured. Um, all these kind of things coming in together. How does this affect your department? Do you do you think this has already an impact, or do you think? I mean, you know, uh, Nike I think started this like ten, fifteen years ago, um, where they had this little chip in a shoe, and you can always track where you were running. Obviously, now we have these running tools, but do you think that? you know, Puma will be moving towards this kind of greater mobility as well to track you wherever you can go and partner maybe with companies that way? Or would you say, oh, no, you know, we're probably more hardware-based. We, we're trying to explore a little bit in that kind of direction because that's where this digital and this haptic culture is now coming together. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost a question for everybody involved is to to use this kind of data and these kind of in this kind of information that your users are doing and just to make better products or to make even more specialized products for specific people such as high performance such as athletes uh, in particular oh absolutely i mean um when you start designing in uh, in this in this in the sportswear field you always need to rely on uh, on data in a sense for especially for the performance aspects and that's usually why our colleagues uh, who for example design football boots uh, they start earlier than we do uh, so they are able to uh, test their new shoes uh, properly with you know uh, put it on player uh, players and things like that i have to say probably it's not so much um, digital information at, as such you know but it's really about uh, really getting the impressions of uh, and feedback from from the athletes themselves uh, i think that's uh, that's that's was already important like you know since the beginning of of, uh, of sports issues and it will remain uh, remain as important however uh, the kind of subjective feedback and subjective data might in the future be replaced with uh, with this kind of hard data numbers and and uh, you know uh, pressure points and temperature and all these kind of things that uh, that you can measure and perhaps you can also use to make a more detailed design in a sense and more improvements on on the detail level Uh, that's something that that's definitely I see f uh, as the future as well for for sportswear. Now, c uh, collecting information straight from the consumer itself, it it all depends. Like I said, it makes sense if you have a high performance running shoe to collect uh, to have information from the run itself. But for somebody who buys the shoe purely as a as a lifestyle uh, sneaker, I'm not sure how much information we need there. All right, so yeah, and uh, and also I'm not sure how much information the consumer would. I would actually want to give up uh, to a company.
uh, in, in that sense as well. I think uh, there's a fine balance between you know privacy in a, in a, in a sense and also uh, what we actually need to to design a better product. And often the case is you know, heard a quotation often that uh, you know consumers don't know what they want until they see it, right? And that that applies to uh, especially to our business as well to to our products. You know, um, our designers tend to live uh, a few years in the future. Uh, they tend to have a bit more progressive uh, view on uh, on what what would be possible, and that's also, of course, a very important part of our job to uh, to be that kind of um, uh, sensor uh, for for the company. You know, what uh, what will be relevant in uh, in two three years' times so on on the street, and. Um, and uh, that's that kind of trend sensitivity. That's that's kind of perhaps the most valuable asset for for a designer. So perhaps that's less in terms of uh, of numerical data, but definitely and and digitalization. But uh, digitalization, of course, uh, plays an important part of uh, of trend spotting. You know, uh, you know what's out there on Instagram, and uh, you know what uh, what uh, what people uh, could wear in the future. I mean, all these kind of signals of what, what might be happening, that's, uh, that happens uh, on a large part digitally nowadays. You know, in the past, you would travel to various different cities and you might get a hint of what's happening now. Now you see a lot of uh, different uh, influences all around the world of, uh, of, of things that are happening and uh, things that could, that could be relevant for the, for the wider audience in, in a few years' time. Uh, and uh, through digital, digitalization, it allows, us, uh, allows designers much easier access to, yeah, to, that kind of, uh, to those kind of signals. Fascinating. <laughs> it's, uh, I, you know, I, I, I found these uh, big to small, but still like, you know, absolutely mass market developments uh, that we're, we're happening at the moment. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Because if you look into China, in particular, you have two different kind of directions, you have the absolute highest mass market, so everybody wants to go into that. And then they, of course, have the, you know, the, the population to back it up as well, just in terms of the numbers. But they also have this wish i would say or this kind of you know uh, expectation of being um how to put this in the best possible way bespoke and luxury um from what i know so far and what i have seen so far is that a lot of the fashion companies rather than doing their own bespoke direction they have partnered up with celebrities or like you know uh, highly regarded individuals Obviously, in the sports business, it's 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 a it's a given that you do a shoe for somebody that has a name, and then you know it's being represented as the name rather than just with the brand behind it. But do you see that becoming a much more day-to-day -day activity, or do you still think that these kind of bespoke businesses and these that kind of bespoke directions will still be based around you know celebrities or athletes just to kind of use their popularity to push it or could you even like you know think about hey if somebody comes in and pays us enough for a shoe that they want to have just as a one-off why not you know i mean it's it's going a little bit into that direction with the individualization what you can find online and like with configurators and you can go into shops and you know put your names on there and like you can choose your own colors but could you even go as far as thinking like you know the idea of a one-off shoe or the one-off i don't know uh, t-shirt or something like that could be could be could be something that is actually of, of big interest for an industry like that Especially in comparison with, let's say, you work with Porsche and a guy who buys a, um, uh, you know, a Taycan uh, has the ability to have a one-off shoe, for example, with it as well. Yeah, I mean, 
that, that topic has been around for, for quite a while, especially also in the fashion industry, right? Mm. Up to uh, what amount do consumers want to uh, have a totally bespoke uh, product? Because um, in a sense, it's, uh, it's, it sounds on paper, it sounds, sounds great, of course. You have a unique product to fit your unique personality, right? But um, what we're also seeing is that uh, there's also, you know, a, a sizable uh, community or sizable uh, group of users that are uh, consumers that want to belong to a particular group, to a belong mm-hmm. to a particular cultural movement, um, and uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, I think that uh, that group is probably more interesting for a company like Puma uh, than rather go for a fully bespoke one. Um, also, in terms of um, kind of the brand, uh, we're probably not the right brand for for people to you know to really want to have a you know one made uh, one off uh, mm. made product for that. Having said that, uh, we did try in the, in the past. Um, Puma did have a what we call the Mongolian barbecue uh, concept, uh, like uh, like what, 10, 10, 15 years ago, where people could actually pick and choose, go to a shop and pick and choose the pieces they want to have on the shoe and different colors and all these kind of things. Uh, you put those pieces on the plate, you give the plate to uh, to the shop, and after a few weeks, you would get a basically totally bespoke shoe uh, mm-hmm. sent home. Um, I think it was relatively successful. It was a great concept. But again, um, I think uh, in terms of uh, what people really want, perhaps, uh, you know, I think a lot of people still do not perhaps want to go through the hassle of, of actually designing a shoe. It's uh, mm-hmm. It can be quite tedious if you think about it. And uh, of course, if you're a celebrity, you get all those kind of things done for you. And you basically yeah, can yeah. just just sketch it, see, say yes or no. Um, I think what, uh, what, what we do see is, though, is that uh, kind of the collaboration culture kind of the, uh, the influencer hype and all these kind of things is uh, perhaps shifting away from, from kind of uh, really true celebrities right kind of the, the the very big stars but also going into much more local uh, local influencers uh, local collaborators and uh, perhaps people that are not so famous yet but uh, have a potential of becoming very uh, well known in, in the future and i think mm. puma has a really good track record also in, in spotting those kind of uh, emerging talents mm. uh, and uh, that's that's kind of the future way to go that we uh, not only uh, you know kind of are into it for just uh, just kind of building products with influencer celebrities but also giving uh, emerging talent a kind of a platform uh, for you know uh, to to showcase their work yeah, and I think you know it's 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 very important as a brand as well to find this way uh, for yourself because otherwise you're starting uh, you're starting a war uh, that's that's maybe already out there. I mean, if you look into uh, you know other competitors Nike, Adidas, and then you look into companies such as New Balance, Under Armour, and you know just trying to buy a way in with uh, with a lot of money. Um, especially, I see it from the US market that Under Armour is very strong and trying to push for everything that they can over there. It's always a question like if you if you want to swim with all the sharks or if you want to be the shark yourself. And oftentimes it's it's exactly that kind of question is where am I right? Where is my position as well? You know? Exactly, and, exactly. And uh, if you have a, you know, a huge marketing budget and you throw a lot of money against it, I'm sure you can make something happen. But are you then also authentic? Are you then real? Uh, and that's that's kind of thing that, uh, that we also, that kind of questions, that's uh, something we also uh, consider for ourselves, right? How authentic is it to collaborate with somebody? Uh, or is it just something you just use as a, as a, as a, 
badge as, a, as something for for marketing purposes uh, but does it does uh, he or she really have uh, an impact or really have a, a authenticity that fits with our brand and fits with for example a, a business unit like motorsport yeah do you have an, an actual impact on that so could you like you know if marketing comes up to you and just like hey we would like to team up with this person do you then say like okay we come up specifically something for that person or do you sit down with that person and develop something with them or how how is that process usually uh, it, it depends uh, but uh, usually the case uh, within puma is, is the uh, really that uh, yeah the you know the, our design teams go with to that person and really co-create with them uh, uh, you know a, a particular range or even a particular product so um, th that's the ideal case scenarios, but there, there are different, very different levels, right? There, there are also some influencers that just wear our product and and just talk about it rather than you know where they get uh, instead of getting a you know uh, own collection. So there are various different levels of uh, of, of collaborations that we have with uh, you know with our partners. And what's your personal favorite one? My last question before we get into the. Uh the uh, you know notorious three last questions <laughs> <laughs> um i think uh, the last the last collaboration that we did that's out there is uh, is with uh, need for speed so basically what uh, what we did is uh, we created a sneaker that uh, that's also in the game but also is sold uh, you know physically in uh, and out there uh, the shoe is called the octane uh, and i think uh, both in terms of the design of the shoe and uh, you know the whole marketing behind it uh, being featured in the game itself and, and uh, use the game as a platform to kind of uh, talk to our consumers, to our new, uh, you know, motorsport consumers in a sense. I thought that was a, was a really great, uh, great, great collaboration. It's not so much with a celebrity, but definitely with, uh, you know, uh, with something that's relevant to the consumer. Oh, uh, certainly. And probably one in, in terms of racing games, like if, you know, if, if you look into the last 20 years, probably the biggest brand, you can talk about Gran Turismo, you can talk about Forza, but Need for Speed has been one of the first ones to be to be absolutely massive um, yeah, in indeed. terms of the, the cultural importance um, I think you know that comes with that but Sonny for that thank you very much but before I let you go there are three questions that I ask everybody one of them is very car specific so um, you know that we will come to that in a little bit but uh, there's two questions um, which are very general so I'm not asking you about you know uh, designers or projects in that kind of sense that have have had to do with things that you've worked on so you can ask completely for, uh, answer completely freely about this and my first question to you would be if you could could have participated in any project uh, in the past you know like just choose anything uh, that you that that you feel right is is the one that you would have liked to join in on Hmm. <laughs> uh, tough question. Um, I think in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of product, uh, product design, it would, of course, be something like the, something that's very impactful and iconic, like the iPhone, of course, mm -hmm. uh, being, having been part of such a groundbreaking product, that would have been something that, that uh, would have been big on my bucket list. In terms of car design, I would have liked to design something that's, uh, that's very impactful as well. Not so much in terms of uh, the design, but perhaps in terms of you know they like think things like the uh, uh, the Volkswagen Golf or the Fiat Panda. You know all these kind of uh, great designs that are very humble in a sense, but uh, but also have a huge impact on on a lot of people's lives. Cool. Question number two: um, Who is the most influential designer to your? you know, to, to the way you work at the moment. And this is not about somebody you have worked with or have not worked with, but who has influenced you uh, in, the, in the most way. 
Hmm. I probably not so much uh, people you would know, like famous people. I think the the biggest designers or the the best designs I worked with uh, are, are really people who are not not famous at all. But they kind of uh, provided the kind of a, a template for me for how I, I view design leadership, but also in terms of how to develop myself and how to have the right attitude in the sense for uh, you know for guiding and mentoring other other designers so uh, there's probably not designs that you would uh, would ever know and uh, and have articles about but uh, these are kind of the biggest influences in terms of uh, in terms of my daily work uh, you know people who I really look up to and also you know taught me uh, kind of the skills needed not only design skills but also personal skills and and social skills that uh, that are needed to guide young designers uh, you know so they can um, uh, you know, do their best work. One example I, I would like to mention, uh, a designer like uh, Thomas Wege. You never heard of him, but he uh, he was a designer, lead, uh, kind of a design director at Adidas for the longest period of time. Uh, he basically taught me everything that's neat, that I needed to know for, for designing sneakers. Because when I came out of, uh, out of Delft, out of university, I never designed a shoe before, before I joined Adidas. So he basically taught me everything that, that needs to know. And uh, he's also, in, in, in a sense, he... Uh, yeah, his his personality and uh, and and way of working. Uh, I really uh, looked at him as a, also as a kind of a um, yeah example to emulate, even in in that sense. Cool. And last but not least, and then I'll let you go because we're already over fifty minutes. Um, if you could have any money in the world, and this is the car question, which car would you buy? If it needs to be a production car, probably the Lancia Stratos, and I'm. But I, and I have a kind of a thing for, you know, for uh, small sports cars uh, that, uh, you know, that are not too flashy, but uh, but still have their, their really own character. And I really just love the proportions of that car and, you know, with the big wheels and uh, kind of uh, like a short, stocky frame. Um, uh, I'm in general, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Bertone and uh, Marcello Gandini, uh, you know, all his designs, you know, that's uh, that's that's kind of uh, yeah, my thing. Lovely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, in addition, if it doesn't need, if it can be a concept car that I could buy, then I probably would go for something like the um, Saab Aero X. Uh, nice. I, nice. I, I really love that. You know, not only what it what it did in terms of just just a car design itself, but the whole design language that it uh, set up for Saab, which unfortunately never came to fruition, right? But uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's really a great design. Uh, I think believed by Anthony Lowe. That yeah, that I really admire, and I, I still look at pictures uh, recently, and I thought you know that car still looks modern in a sense. You know, it's it's uh, it's great. Great, great. Well then, Sonny, thank you very much for taking the time uh, for for joining us on the podcast, and uh, I do appreciate you know you being so open and uh, discussing this all with us. And to our listeners, thank you very much for listening uh, to this lovely conversation we just had, and you will hear back from us very soon with another episode and another interview. Thanks, Sonny. Thank you.